Dark Tides is a show made for an adult audience. Featuring scenes of graphic or implied violence, mature themes, horror, gore, and intense scenes. Viewer discretion is advised. For full content warnings on each episode of this coming arc, check the episode's description. Welcome listeners to Dark Tides, uh, a weekly paranormal actual play podcast that is not about any form of dressing. Uh, I'm your host, show creator and narrator Aubrey Lydon, um, and we will issue a content warning for this episode. Chester's been plugging them in as he edits. There's uh, content. There's You've content. Been it's scary. I freak myself out a little bit. I worry about whether I'm going too far. Um, it usually so means you're not going too far enough. It Steve. probably means I'm not going too far. I am <laughs> Stephen King literally further. put one of his books away. Yeah, well, I'm not Stephen King. We haven't put this thing away yet. I haven't done that yet, no. <laughs> um, yeah, check out the episode description, I guess, for like specific warnings. But look after yourself. Self-care. Be kind. And smash that subscribe button. Yeah, we're... Smash that follow Every icon. <laughs> this is a loosey-goosey recording session. Um, I can't remember what else so, I normally say. Hi, Chester. Hi, BJ. You've Hi. heard them both already. Hello. They, it's us. they never Welcome. wait for me to introduce them, so I start wondering whether I shouldn't introduce them anymore. That's true. Hi, my name's BJ. I play Alistair. Stern. And Randy. Alistair also, Stern and Stern. Randy, Randy, name not given. Alistair Stern and Randy... Uh, First name what? officer. <laughs> yeah, Randy First Dolph. Ooh, is he a Randy. Randolph? Randy, Randy the second name Dolph. I don't know. I feel like next time we do a Christmas special, we need to do some kind of like there's some kind of like nativity scene or whatever, and Randy is pretending to be a reindeer in the background and like explodes out of a costume or something. And there's just it's randomly a mall Santa who doesn't have his fingers. Yeah, we'll, we'll do something. <laughs> maybe our maybe our solo Randy episode needs to be a Christmas special, and we'll do it like Die Hard. It ties uh, into the yeah, greater lore yeah, it's of just Dark Tides. Well, like Christmas costumes and jumping through the air with shotguns. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like us. Chester, who do you play? Sorry, closing the window. Hello, I play Ernest Marsh. Once a park ranger in Port Staples, running from his personal demons, he is now driven by the events of the past oh, we're doing full to move intros. further up okay. right. and further Somebody in to the memo. mysteries right. of the world right. as a watchman against the ever-changing tides. All right. Once again, with feeling. Tides. Mm. Dark tides. Dark, Dark tides, tides pod. Dark mm. tides pod, guys. Don't eat them. Don't eat the parts. Don't eat the parts. Don't eat the parts. Even when the ones that are swimming around in the water, those are called blue bottles, don't eat them. It's bad for you. <laughs> They'll kill you. Right. Um, I'm guessing we haven't really been doing fun facts. No. So no fun facts. No fun. There's no, no fun, fun in facts. this arc, guys. I'm, I'm having fun. I, I kept re-listening to the episodes and I'm like, Puck is really very inappropriate for like the tone of the show, but it's because Orvo really feels yeah. the need to like interject some levity, and so I actually still find it really funny. Because Alistair stopped doing it. 
Yeah, no one else is doing it, and even Randy isn't doing it. I'm like, even Randy's serious. Yeah, the 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 joke and about Alistair's tight five comedy set still made me laugh. Don't understand that joke, but you know, because Alistair is so unlikely to be a stand-up comedian enthusiast. Never mind. All right. Hey, she doesn't know his passions. Ernest and Alistair, you are standing in a cold blackness. You feel like you are standing in maybe a few millimetres of water. There is a reflective surface and a ripple beneath you. You're in the liminal space of Alistair's subconscious. The part that is neither conscious nor subconscious, you are on the threshold of Alistair's mind. And it's into this void, effectively, that you have just called the service revolver. You spoke names out into the dark until you felt a ripple and something return to you, and out of the water rose a young man in his late twenties, stooped and unshaven, with cracked glasses and dark pools where his eyes should be. You have called Dylan out of Alistair's subconscious. Alistair takes a few steps towards him. Uh, his boots gently splashing in the water. And he reaches out a hand, says, Hello? Hello. Dylan, is that you? Is that your name? He frowns a little. The skin around his eyes and his forehead crinkle as if he's trying hard to remember to pin down some stray thought that seems to flit away from him. He turns his head to look at you more directly. I won't say that he moves his eyes because there are no eyes there to move. And he says, I don't think so. That name rings something in my mind, but no, call me Faustus. Faustus. Oh, he's a writer. That's <laughs> like kicks the water a little bit. It's like, ah. All right. All right. That sounds Dylan ominous. Like sways slightly to look at you where you're standing behind Alistair. He should not be here. This is your mind. He cannot be in your mind too. By that same extension, you shouldn't be here either. You invited me. He did? Alistair. By accident. Don't take offence at that. Do you... How do I say this? Uh, I hope this is not offensive, but... Do you inhabit the gun? Or... Is the gun you? Identity is... Tricky. It... Oh boy. Shifts. Okay, yeah, he's one of these. Hold on, hear me, hear me. I was not always in this piece of metal, but I am now, and it is me now. 
suppose you could say that it is me. But I was not always it. So you were a person? Once. Once. Once I had a body. Once I had... I had more than this, but I was less than this. I have more now. Alistair pauses for a second, and he thinks... Do you miss it? I don't know how to. I do not miss being afraid. You are afraid, Alistair Stern. I am in your mind, I do see it. It's why I chose you. It's why you let me in. I didn't do that consciously. At least I don't remember doing it consciously. He gestures down at the thin layer of water that you are standing in. Your consciousness, what you are actually conscious of, is but a thin layer, barely a membrane on the deep subconscious. There is a lot below the surface that you don't see. But I was like you. I reached out to a friend who could protect me and he gave me the power to protect myself. Now I have the power to protect. And I'm giving that power to you, Alistair, so that you don't have to be afraid. So that we don't have to be afraid anymore. The camera like pans around the two of you and Ernest is sitting behind the two of you in a waiting room lounge chair. And he reaches down and swishes his fingers through the water. And I rolled a 10 for this. The waiting room of Ilios appears through the water around you and Ernest crosses his fingers and says, now that's all fine and dandy, Dylan or Faust, but you're very powerful and no one with that much power just hands it off for no reason. So my friend's about to put a lot of faith in you what happened to your other friend that gave you this power? What did you do to him? He left. And he left it to me. Okay. He looks at the furniture around him. And again, you see that sort of crinkling of the forehead and the skin around the eyes as he's thinking hard. I'm not as powerful as he was. I'm not the same as he was, but I don't have anything to fear anymore. Hmm. I'm a gun. I can't be hurt, but I can protect other people. I can make sure that nobody has to be afraid of anything again. I'm a tool, not a person. Faustus, uh, look, I'm about to go into a very dangerous situation, which you know. I'm willing to trust you and I thank you for being willing to help me and protect me and my friends. But if we're going to operate together, we need to operate together. I know you're powerful, but if I don't have some kind of control or say in what you do or when you appear or when you disappear 
then I can't trust you, and if I can't trust you, then you can't help me. Does that make sense? Like I said, I'm not a person anymore. I'm a weapon. I'm a tool. Use my name, and I will do what you want. But a weapon has no allegiance. It just points and shoots. So what if someone else takes the gun? Are you just going to point at Alistair and shoot? Ernest, it's it's bound to me. I don't I don't think anyone can take it's it. It's bound from to me. you for as long as he allows it to be bound. He's part of this connection. I offered myself to Alistair because, because he... you saw something in him. What if you see something in someone else? I cannot say. I have no plans. I do not think in terms of past, present, or future just now. Just this moment, just this thought, just this action, just this shot. Alistair turns to Ernest and says, Ernest, you're right to be concerned, but I think, and he gestures, Faustus here, could be the difference between coming out alive today or losing a lot of people. And I'm willing to trust him because I know what I know what happened in Bruges and and I know what's happened since and I believe that I believe what he's saying. Ernest runs his fingers through the the carpet again and it fades again to water and he continues eyeing Dylan, trying to see if there's a reaction to any of the the visuals that Ernest has been trying to show him and he's not getting much. So he turns to Alistair. And maybe that's why he picked you. Because you'll trust him. Ernest pulls his hand away and the room fades away to the um, library we were in before and it seems like no time has has passed and Ernest looks at you you don't know him no but I understand what it's like to be him no you don't yeah I do Alistair I know you. He is going to use whatever good intentions you have for his own purpose. Someone who is powerful is not blind. They have intentions. Ernest, he's powerful, yes. But he's trapped. He's trapped with whoever he chooses to be trapped with. Yeah, and he chose me. Because you were the way out of a little tin box. He's now free from that box. Well, there was four of us in that room. Five of us, actually. There was Heath, Puck, the doctor that we were trying to protect, and some very powerful being that we're still trying to wrap our head around what he is and what he wants. He could have picked any of us in that room. And if it's power he wanted, he sure as heck wouldn't have picked me. 
but Alistair, his choices were between Heath, who would have known to not trust it, that shadow man with the mask, who seems to know a lot about it, a doctor who was un- in, like not even in control of himself, and Puck, who is great, but she's not you. She has... I don't tell us the wrong way, but she has a bit of an iron will of sorts. And you're a strong you're Say a very again. strong person as well. But I could not imagine trying to blackmail her or manipulate her. And people have manipulated you. They've controlled you. Alistair just looks at the ground. I'm not saying that you're weak. I'm saying that No no, I know. He picked you. Anyway. I think he picked me because he saw somebody who would understand what it's like to be lost. Understand what it's like to feel small and to feel like they're losing grip on everything around them. He picked me because we're the same. Ernest smiles, nods, and looks at you and says, Power doesn't work like that, Alistair. two of you step into the main hall of the library you can see that a number of the the tier operatives are subtly uh, preparing equipment readying themselves to go out Uh, Heath is barking orders Puck is back in her normal guise uh, tattooed and without the wig and you notice make a quick perception check for me two Three. <laughs> All right. Um, We're just thinking we about see. our conversation and going inside my head. No, no, that's fine. You, you still see the very basics, which is that as you look around, kind of go, okay, where is everyone? We're moving out. Um, you see that Puck is in a more secluded corner. She's uh, sort of crouched down kind of on her knees, talking to a young girl who looks to be maybe uh, 12 or 13, quite young. Uh, the girl seems to be... Uh, either has been crying or is about to cry or whatever, and, and Puck is talking to her very gently. Um, and you see her straighten up and start moving towards Heath. You see that Sherman is readying himself and Ant is uh, stepping out of the kitchen. Uh, okay, Alice is going to walk over to Puck because mm-hmm. he saw what she was doing with the little girl. Um, he's like, was she okay? Well, I mean... It's a difficult age. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, Difficult age to be stuck in a library surrounded by monsters. Yeah, her dad's (laughs) missing. Uh, She was here to visit him. He lives here. Separated family. She was visiting him. Um, And he wasn't here when she got here. He was supposed to, like, meet her at the bus stop, and he didn't. So my thinking is we might be looking at, well... We think that there are townspeople missing, obviously. There's got to be at least some 
it would be a miracle yeah. if no one was gone, but I think we have a name at least to go off since we're okay. out looking for people. All right. Uh, okay, so we're potentially looking at maybe four people at least. Uh, what's what? What did he do? Did she say? Oh, she said he was the mechanic or one of the mechanics or something here. Okay. There's some little garage. Right. Okay. Thanks, Puck. It's okay. I'm just trying to make the rounds, still see if I can pin down anyone that shouldn't be here or that no one else knows. Okay. Uh, do you know if Heath is leaving anyone here? Yeah, we're leaving lookouts and guards. We're not... She checks her watch. I mean, it's early hours of the morning, but dawn shouldn't be too far off. And I mean, surely they're less dangerous during the daytime. Surely they're less willing to come out. It might give us some breathing room. And I don't know about you, but I would like to sleep. Yeah. What is that? We're not all popping adrenaline pills over there. Hey, it's natural. No, it's not, Alistair. <laughs> it's like people go, ah, oh, tobacco, it's natural. Yeah, but you toast it and you put chemical sprays on it and you do stuff to it and then you smoke it. That's not natural. That's not what it's meant to be done. <laughs> no, I mean, I naturally just don't sleep. Ernest steps oh, up sorry, into I the, like, I in between take the two of them and says, it's toasted. And then steps out. <laughs> <laughs> Great, a John Hamm fan. Thanks, Ernest. Thanks, thanks Alistair. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah. yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, thank. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Alistair, thank you, you do seem to find the weirdos. And I say that as one of the weirdos that you found. I didn't but... find him. He found me. Well, he was waiting for me at the dock, you know. Yeah, but I wasn't happy about it. You're never happy about anything. <laughs> I was in the rain. Yeah, well, your boss is, your boss is gathering people. All right. Do I have to go? I'll go. I mean, I you thought mean, you, you were coming with us. No, I'm talking about to the speech. You know, the little boss speech outside. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you better, because he might the, get grumpy if you miss his... Thing. Hoorah. Hoorah. You're probably, he's, he's grumpy enough with you already. You better not miss his little... It's right. Just don't get him started on taxation. It's... Yeah, just <laughs> don't ask... <laughs> just What's don't ask questions profession? and you'll be fine. Crowbar! Hoorah! <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if that's in character or not. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, it's up for... <laughs> it's yeah, up for it's debate. Up for debate. It's in character for Chester. <laughs> All right, you um, you slip out the front door. The barricade is kind of closed behind you. And by barricade, I mean that they've sort of like, you know, got bits of wood or whatever, bits of furniture and stuff. It's not super... It's not it's industrial. Super, it's super monster-proof. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there is... Mm. Now, let me just do a quick head count. There is... Uh, Heath, Alistair, Puck, Ernest, Sherman, Ant. And we'd say probably about five tier operatives. We'll say that there's four tier operatives and that makes a team of ten. Yeah. Plus Dunnell, who is still scouting. He's, he's off in the way. Um, so you have a group of ten of you standing out there and we'd say there's probably about 15 still guarding the base 
that is your your stronghold in the library. Yeah, the base is most secure, and he's left very strong instructions on keeping an eye on everyone inside. Everyone inside is armed, even if it doesn't look like they're armed. They're all armed. Yeah, they're professionals. So yeah, so he's they've all got razor blades in their hats. They've got razor blades in their mouths, so you spit them out, people. (laughs) Ooh, they call that one the kiss of death. Very edgy. Mm, edgy. All right. <laughs> okay, so Heath walks out in front of the group, rubbing his hands together and blowing out a, a puff of his blue smoke. All righty. It's been a big day. I understand you're all tired and he looks at them. I understand some of you are scared too. We have two of our own out there and civilian to boot and... There may be more that we don't know about. I don't know if they're alive. But if there's even a slither of a chance that they're still alive out there, we won't abandon them to torment and death. It's okay to be scared, because we're human. We care for one another, we stand for one another, and come hell or high water, we won't abandon one another. So hold on to that fear. Let it remind you of the blood pumping in your veins and... The people back home waiting for us to return. Fear. When you're walking out there, fear's good. Keeps you fast. Keeps you limber. Puck, stop doing that. Stop making face. Puck. All right. Go team. He's going to turn uh, on his heels. <laughs> Alistair <Hoorah>. was... Um, <laughs> hoorah! <laughs> yeah, Puck's going like, wait, oh, where's he hoorah? Did, he did the hoorah. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, he was going to forget. <laughs> Alistair was handing out. Uh, he brought one packet of of Ice Vovo biscuits with him. Oh, sweet. Uh, and oh, he, sick. he opened the packet and he was handing them out to everyone. Okay, so um, I did come up with a basic kind of plan for how this will work. So the tier operatives will be working, will be moving out in basically like a triangular format. They'll be, walk- they'll be walking in pairs of two. And spaced yep. out with a few meters between them, and then there'll be a core group in the center of that triangle, which is Alistair's group. So they're basically right. foraying them. And the concept is a raptor style. So if someone gets attacked over here, they can spread out like that. To encircle. And encircle whatever's From attacking the them. And like encircle like yeah. that to move around it, type of thing, while keeping yeah, yeah, that yeah. core group of civilians protected. And Heath would be at the front, right? Uh, Heath's basically wherever Heath's kind of walking along. My thought is that Puck could be at like the tip of it, and yep. Heath is kind of making his way between the small group in the middle and the front line, kind of like walking to and from, and to each of the corners. Basically, mm-hmm. he's just yep. tracking that uh, okay. as the group is starting to to march out and getting into their formation. As the street opens up enough for them to get into formation, he's going to turn to you, taking a nice Vovo, and is going to chuck what you can tell as Darnell's backpack to you and points it as he's like stuffing the biscuit in his mouth. Don't open it. I already have a backpack. Don't. Yeah, yeah. just hold it. You're in the middle bit. You're in the middle bit. Just, uh, I need okay. to be able to run around quick. Just hold it. Don't open it. Uh, all right. Cool. Yep. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, okay. He like, is watching as he hands it to Ernest. Ernest okay. takes it, hands it to Sherman. <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> carrying everything. <laughs> Then Sherman gives it to Ant, and then Alistair sees that Ant's got it, and he's like, "Well, don't give it to." Okay, fine, I'll take it. And then Alistair takes it back again. 
pass the and parcel. like awkwardly tries to strap it on his back, like on top of his own backpack. You heading into the dark? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once the bag thing has been sorted out, Alistair's kind of holding it, and he just looks over to Ant and he says, "One last thing. Uh, you know, if something goes really bad, I know you want to be here. Don't." Be ashamed to run. I mean that. If things go down, if you're left on your own, we should be fine. But if if that happens, please don't be ashamed to run. Get out of there. Get out of there with your life. I just wanted to say that to you before we get in there. Alistair, have you um you familiar with the Psalms at all? Um, let me just decide on Alice's religious background real quick. <laughs> I cannot. My mum used to. But- <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm just thinking of Mayor Mallory Stern. Uh, I cannot see it. <laughs> <laughs> a little, actually. Yeah, my mum used to. She used to read me a psalm uh, sometimes before I go to bed when I was little, but mm. she moved away when I was young, so. That's tough. There's one that comes to mind a lot at the moment. It's uh, 23. It's written by King David. I mean, you'd know it. There are songs that use the lyrics all the time, but they misuse them. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the bit that people quote. I'll fear no evil because God's protecting me. But they miss the next part. That's the bit the songs don't quote. It says, God's going to prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That means I'm going to sit down to eat with the people that scare me the most. I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be open to them. And I can't be scared because God's prepared it for me. It's his table. So even if I want to run, I'm going to trust that he's brought me here to sit at that table, no matter how scary that is. So thanks for the reassurance, but I'm not going to run. deepest part of the valley of Slate Ridge, close to where the river drops at the base of the dam wall. The valley curves and deepens into a winding labyrinth of fissure and disrupted ground. Erosion from the mountainside fallen trees creates an enclosed den. In this den we find Officer Randy in a small semi-open cave. The only light comes from a fissure in the stone above him, a dim sliver of moonlight reaching in. Randy, this is where the Wendigos have put you. You have been led through 
darkness. You've been led through dense stands of trees by backways and small paths. You are not sure where you are. You know that you are somewhere in the valley. You can hear the falling of water not too far away. You can hear the murmurings, the yelpings and the occasional howls of the Wendigos all about you. But you are in this pit, essentially. The only entrance is above you on a slight little ridge that you would have to climb up to and it's blocked by two fallen trees the trunks of them placed on top of each other you are effectively a prisoner in this cave right okay well first thing real quick can i just assess my own injuries just to see Mm -hmm. that's an 11 yeah um randy is pretty tired he has taken a bit of damage. He's got a few scrapes and bruises. He's been tossed to the ground a few times. He is unarmed and unarmored. He's been allowed to keep his altered fireman's uniform, but his weapons have been taken from him. So yeah. he's still fast. There's no major injuries. No major he's injuries, <laughs> no major problems, he but he good. is becoming hungry and dehydrated and tired. Well, don't tell him that you're hungry, BJ. Hey, guys, you guys snack up there. Just an arm gets thrown over. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. Mm, I love that. Do you guys Man, have any you salt? Guys got some, you got some sauce? You got some sriracha for this? You got some MSG? I can't hear anything <laughs> without MSG. <laughs> it makes me feel sick if I don't have it. Can you mix some MSG in this blood, please? It's a bit... Uh, mm. It's a bit tangy. Need some, need oh, man, if we ever do vampires, I'm doing <laughs> vampires as being like New York foodies. Randy's going to sit up and... Uh, uh, right, Randy. What, which situation you got yourself stuck in now, Randy? <laughs> uh, this is, reminds me of the time in the, in the Philippines when... Uh, uh, never mind. Uh, uh, and I'd like to just investigate the little area to see... Well, first of all, if there's anybody else here. Yeah, make an investigation check. Uh, that's a four. Um, Technically, that's a fail. <laughs> but you would see say. if there's another person. Yeah, there. no, you can see that there is another person in here. Okay. Uh, are they conscious? They are huddled in a corner in the dark. Um, they don't seem to be moving much or speaking much to you. Okay. It's hard to say whether uh, they're conscious of you being there. Okay. Randy's going to move over to them and gently tap them on the shoulder. Hey. Hey, you awake? Yep. Yeah, you see the face turn and look up at you. The matted blood on the side of their head, you recognise one of the tear operatives. It's hard to pick which one. You're not entirely sure. You never got names. Um, but you think this was the one that you were with who got dragged away. Hey, uh, are you all right? Are you injured? Um, oh, not too badly injured, but I'm, I wouldn't say all right. And you can see that he's probably cradling a broken arm. Uh, there's a lot of matted blood on his face. Okay, uh, Randy's going to roll to inspect. Uh, that's a nine. Just um, medical assistance roll. 
yeah, you, he's unwilling to let you too close. But from looking and from what you can assess, definitely his right arm is quite badly broken. Uh, it's unusable. Uh, he has some lacerations to the shoulders and the back, probably to the legs too, where he had been dragged. Um, and you can't account for where all of the blood has come from. Some of it might not be his. You don't know for sure. He's not in a good way, but he's not in danger of bleeding out. Uh, all right, buddy. It looks like you've got a broken shoulder there or a broken arm or something, so just be careful. That's all right. I'm not going to hurt you, but you're alive, so... Why aren't you That's good. hurt? I don't know. Uh, I I ran out to look for you, and uh, was there an, was there someone else with you? Was there a second operative with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. Are they, <sighs> or should I not He's ask? Dead. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It's okay. Look, okay. they, they train so you for this just you stuff, me. but it's... Doesn't that doesn't make, make it, it easier. No, nope. it doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I ran back to look for you and your friend uh, and killed one of the... Or I think I killed one, I'm not sure. Uh, and the other one just pulled my weapon off me, picked me up and brought me back here. I'm... A bit cut up, but I'm not injured. Uh, but I, I don't know why. I don't know what they want with me. Uh, I'd kind of hoped that they did the same for you. But no, they I guess not. didn't. Um, you need to get out of here. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not, not moving you, I'm anytime not. soon. No. Look. You could run I can't run what's your name sunshine Jonah 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 there's something you need to know about Randy that's me by the way okay Randy doesn't leave friends in nightmare pits surrounded by monsters now, I know you're going to try and protest and all that because you're, you know, certified nice guy or whatever. He, like, points to the, the tear badge. <laughs> He's like, but uh, that's not how Randy rolls. So Randy's going to bet that hopefully your friends and my friends are on their way. So I'm going to stay here and I'm going to protect you. Until they get here. And if they don't come, then we'll try and get out. But Randy's staying with you. He, like, nods. And then it's like, can't think of anything else to say. Um, as you were talking, you hear the creak of wood and the heavy sound of logs being dragged away from that entrance tunnel. Randy, like, holds his finger up to his lips, turns around so he's, like, in a defensive position in front of Jonah and faces the entrance. Um, you see that the logs that have been used to block it are being dragged 
backwards and through the gap several figures um, push themselves they're led by a man who is a little older he drops down into the cavern he slides down the little embankment of dirt and stone he is painfully thin uh, you can see he is wearing uh, jeans that are extremely ill-fitting they are tied around the waist with rope to keep them up he's not wearing a shirt underneath you can see his his ribs he has sort of like a winter parka over the top but it's threadbare and badly stained with blood and dirt uh, his hair is on the longer side he has uh, a beard with a lot of grey in it the other people that come in after him are very similar they're all thin, they're all emaciated they all look incredibly unhealthy and unwell and they're dressed similarly there are four of them three of them hang back uh, closer to the entrance as uh, the leader steps forward he finds a tumbled over stone uh, and sits on it as if it's a low chair as he sits uh, you can see that his feet are bony and matted with dirt and mud all the way up his ankles Randy's gonna stay in his defensive position, um, but he relaxes a little bit when he sees that they're not obviously immediately coming to eat them or something. And he takes a little step forward and he says, so are you the big shot? As you look at him, um, you're struck by how unremarkable he is. His cheeks are hollow and his skin is waxy. He looks like a vagrant or a homeless man who is especially unwell. Um, the lank hair around his shoulders kind of obscures a lot of his face. He looks at you and you can see uh, so much of the structure of the bones under the skin. You have a lot of fight in you, don't you? That's good. You haven't. You haven't killed me yet. No. So listen, uh, got a question for you. Yeah. Is my buddy Jonah, by the way? <laughs> he like <laughs> sticks his thumb back behind him, like pointing. He's like, mm. you broke his arm. You killed his friend. How come you brought me be here unharmed? Well, you see, a little human, there's a lot that you don't know yet. The days of your kind are numbered. Your strength is dwindling. You're not going to survive much longer. I'm here looking for the strong. I'm only interested in those who are willing to do what it takes. And your friend Jonah there... Well, he was strong, but he wasn't willing. He's had a big day. <laughs> oh, I'll say so. Now, you're here and not broken because I'm going to make you an offer. 
You've proven that you're strong. You've proven that you're a fighter. And that is rare in your kind. So I'm going to do you the courtesy of offering to let you live. But I want you to Mm. tell me something first. What is it that you want? More than anything, what is it that drives you? What will you kill for? Randy would kill to protect his friends. (laughs) That's what Randy would do. You see, uh, he does laugh at you. He parts his lips and you see yellowed teeth and a grin that's wide and unnerving. Now that is weakness, if I've ever heard weakness put in words. Randy steps forward and smiles as well, like stepping up to this creature. And he goes, Or who knows? Maybe I'll just kill for the heck of it. (laughs) Better. You're a funny one, aren't you? I like a funny one. Listen, you might... You might tell yourself that you fight to protect people. But you fight to survive. On the surface, all your thinking, it's mush it's degraded steeped in all the hypocrisy of your world all those that preach sin and judgment those people teach envy oh oh, you're going to talk to me about sin and judgment is that is that what's is that what's happening here is that what's happening here no i'm telling you those things are weakness too Mm. anyone who teaches that envy and greed and lust are evils They're too weak to take them. You might tell yourself you value other people, whether it's friends or it's family or it's anything else, but that's not the way of nature. It's not the way you're built. And if you're a fighter, you're only a fighter for yourself. Now, let me tell you this. If everyone else who told you that those things matters, if they were honest... They would tell you that desiring power and wealth and pleasure and all of those things in all of their forms, that's what really matters. But they're too weak to take it for themselves. So they call all of those natural desires a moral crime. But you're different. You're not like Jonah there. You don't believe that to your core. Something deep inside you knows the truth. And what's that? That forgiveness is the lack of an ability to avenge yourself. That a lack of spine is not obedience. It's weakness. A lack of appetite is not temperance. It's just a poorness of mind. We're the strong ones, Randy, you and I, and I can make you a lot stronger than you are. You're shackled 
by their thinking, by their infirmities. And let me tell you this, if you didn't know it already, the tide is rising and it's going to drown your kind. All the weak things are going to die. All the humans are going to die because they're too blind by their self-importance to think that they're going to sink or swim. I am the next evolution of man. I'm what comes next. Stronger, faster, fiercer, hungrier. That's what's going to survive. So if you want to be on the winning side, it's time to step up. Time to accept it. When the tide rises and everything is thrown into darkness, your kind will perish and we will thrive. But there's still time, little man. I can bring you into the fold. We can make you like us. Strip you of all that hinders, all that's soft, all that's sentimental. I can turn you into one of us and all you have to do is eat Jonah there. That's what it's going to take. Jonah couldn't do it. Jonah watched his friend die and he couldn't do it. But you could do it. So, he stands up. That's my two cents, Randy. Kill and eat. Or you'll become the prey. He steps forward so he's like within arm's reach of the creature and he says, I would sooner die shackled to my empathy than live to be stripped of everything that makes me alive. He turns to look at you, Randy, with a glint in his eye as he says, You really think this is what it means to be alive? Your empathy, your skin, your brain, your flesh. You're not alive, Randy. You're a husk. There's nothing inside you. This is what it means to be alive, Randy. As he speaks, he shows you his hand. He shows you the the long, sharp fingernails of his right hand. He takes the index finger and he presses the nail into the top of his forehead, puncturing the skin a little. And he draws a line down his forehead, down his nose, over his lips, over his chin and down his throat to the sternum. He leaves a little beaded red mark. Randy, we're just vessels, just shells for what's within. He takes both hands, he digs the nails into the little split of his skin and he begins to pull. He tears the skin away, opening a hole. And from the skin of the human, a nightmare emerges. You see the angular features, the rotting, fetid skin and fur of a beast. The long muzzle 
of a deer, white bone glinting, long fangs, the deep-set eyes burning with hatred, the spreading antlers, the wendigo emerges from the husk of humanity. This is what it means to be alive, Randy. This is living. And if you don't take the chance, we're gonna die, regretting you never became what you could have been. Abandon your empathy, abandon your care. Embrace true strength. It's time to evolve, Randy. He turns and vanishes into the dark. similarly there are randy four of them okay uh randy again instinctively kind of gestures for them all to get behind him and he stands in front gestures for them to get behind him yeah so like as they come in randy, he wendigos. moves so that they all go behind they're wendigos bj <laughs> Oh, I thought these were people. No, no, no. These are the Wendigos oh. in human form. Okay, cool. Sorry, I was like, I thought Never mind. this is like the entrance of the of the scary guys. They come in and like, all right, guys, get behind yeah, me. Yeah. Get behind, I'll protect you. <laughs> no, 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 I, th- I think that's what he should do. I still think that that's like Randy's like, quick, get behind me. I'll protect you. 